times for young professionals young students what happens is you're reading stuff online you're listening to podcasts you're going to events but at the end of the day it's all a fascinating story about okay web3 so cool so different so in the future but how do i see myself as a reader as a listener uh, in web3 what can i do and therefore there is always this gap between thought and action and so well we have this podcast called web3 thought and action where we bring veterans like you to talk about your day to day your behind the scenes really unveiling the wheel and then talking about okay let's make it relatable uh, you gave us a glimpse of how can i see myself as someone who is not in web3 to participate in web3 and make big things happen in india so that's the story so welcome to web3 thought and action Uh, you have been both doing wonderful work so let me give the mic to priyanka priyanka would love to learn your story please take us through your journey absolutely firstly aksha it's so good that uh, you know three of us are here you made it happen um kudos to you and excited to see how many more folks are going to spearhead and you know coming to this momentum of web3 it technically you know i just have to start by saying it goes more than the technology it is about building a fair and equitable world for everyone through this technology right so um i've been in the education space for about um uh, 12 years now so i i started off um, you know working as a systems engineer and um, uh, this was uh, my first job was with wipro and then like i moved on to us um got an onsite opportunity through them um but all this while uh, while i was uh, juggling my job and education um education for the marginalized actually so that was back in india we were setting up uh, digital literacy programs um how to bring them on um, like you know how to bring like street children on to stem education um this was uh, through um, mit scratch courses like you you could just like um teach them coding through animations because they like most of them have adhd or like you know they're struggling with uh, learning um, uh, mechanisms that are very archaic to the education system these uh, at the, uh, you know this age and especially for the vulnerable conditions they come from um so since all this was going on um you know i've always faced this problem even myself that you know i went from systems engineer to uh, becoming a sharepoint developer to a product manager to a cyber security uh, expert um with pepsico and then i moved on to entrepreneurship to get to entrepreneurship it took me like you know at least 7 8 years to figure out like this is what i want to do so in order to you know save any other uh, you know student that didn't have to go through all this we built our first ai skill recommendation engine with my you know brilliant team uh, that was my first startup actually which was skillx and then from then on we were like okay great we give them a skill recommend 
skill recommendation engine. We tell them how to go from point A to point B, but what? Like you have to give them lucrative ways of like, uh, you know, skilling in industry deployable jobs. And that's where blockchain happened. This was the peak of, um, you know, like 2021. I think uh, ETH was on its, uh, you know, the best pricing at that point. And um, um, Elon Musk had not come and pumped Doge yet. <laughs> so it was uh, it was all the you know good things that was happening and uh, i was actually working on building um, systems of bridging the urban and rural education gap through metaverse and i was um, making 3d avatars and minting them as passive income so i can sustain myself because we are not able to monetize the skill recommendation engine um, so that's where you know um, and luckily who knew that 3D Avatar minted on OpenSea was bought by a Bodhi Yacht Club member. And um, that changed, like that changed the game altogether because I was like, okay, somebody like me who's not even like into the creative space is able to make passive income through this me mechanism. I'm sure it'll open up ways for other folks as well, especially the students that I work with from vulnerable conditions, impoverished societies, like they need. Uh, ways of like you know coming out of the orphanage or shelter homes so we like why not so that was my story uh i'll i'll take a pause here and see if you have questions and uh, we'll keep talking about it yeah. no that is wonderful and but tell us about the switch right so from a hardcore engineering background doing so many things for one of the biggest two companies in the world to educating on the ground to these vulnerable communities going back uh, to the rural areas because it's it's not easy i mean it's uh, it's yeah. easy to say but actually doing it in practice it's it's a, a difficult thing right also you've been, been an executive in uh, these two big companies moving to the us all of it so what brings you back to the ground at really grassroots level right uh, akshat great question and you know i hope this um helps other folks also who are always trying i know they're like great people all around but they don't know where to go and do the good work so this is you know totally they say they have this saying where like you know um with a single person you can play games but with a team you can actually win tournaments so you have to build that great team out on the ground um so i started off building that great team we had uh, we had like foot on the ground where uh, we were going to shelter homes again this was in the city hyderabad um and not so much in the rural um, areas as such so within the uh, areas in shelter homes we started off with like you know digital um, uh, collectibles programs in the way that uh, we were teaming up with the local schools uh, and the shelter homes and seeing what facilities that the you know the schools can give we were able to implement that in shelter homes so this was done with like a stellar team of 20 30 people on the ground um and uh, we built that relationship over time so you know by the time we got into our fifth year we exactly knew like you know which which shelter home to pick up how do we implement uh, our programs how to um do that bridge gap uh, education and get them on stem because not everybody would want to come into STEM as well. What if somebody is great at sports? Um, that's where the SkillX recommended engine comes, like shameless plug. But um, yeah, so that's that's how it started. So I have a brilliant team uh, on ground in Hyderabad doing is it. Is it still live, the program? Uh, so what we do now is, yeah, of course, we have the team, like right now, we are in a campus in Dindugal in Hyderabad. Um, so we spread across the globe. We have volunteers uh, funding in, um, you know, the 
required the academic uh, funds and uh, for the on ground folks what we do is um, technically we have 8:30 to 9:30 every sunday there's a python programming uh, class that's going on uh, we've actually teamed up with um, amazon to do this so um, that's how we like you know because it's text based almost like learning english and then getting to coding uh, mm -hmm. we've started python um, at the moment okay and what's the best way to find you uh uh yeah so it's uh so for the organization it's sporty.org you can go online and you know you'll have all the socials in the website and um yeah if you want to contribute a little bit more you can always dm me and we'll tell you how to bring stem to the impoverished absolutely no that's lovely thank you and there are a few other points i want to love uh, i'd love to double click uh but before that let me let me transition to aditi aditi what's the story Please. Yeah, all the while that she was mentioning her story, I was just trying to think, is it as, as enraged? Uh, but whatever it be, I'll still like to share with everyone and also um, get over with this as quickly as possible so we can get into the more juicier yeah. parts of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so my story is I am an engineer, petroleum and chemical. And uh, that was sort of faith. I graduated in 2018. I've studied across three campuses, starting with ISM Dhanbad. Did not like Dhanbad really. Uh, then because I was studying petroleum and chemical, moved to PDBU Gandhi Nagar. Um, then I realized, okay, I don't like petroleum really as much. What I wanted to study was very different. Was more was on the side of research and sustainability. And then I was uh, fortunate enough to get an internship at Cornell. And then I was able to transfer my credits and move there. Uh, that's how education panned out for me, uh, doing lots of things. And in terms of Web3, I have been in the fintech space, uh, the startup space throughout in the five-year career that I've had. And uh, I was leading growth uh, essentially at the fintech startups that I worked before. And then that famous, infamous scratch, uh, itch that really comes that when you want to scratch, which is the entrepreneurship itch, that happened to me as well. And I was like, okay, let me join something. I joined EF where I was working on a very different idea, which was related to female health. That was the first time where I started looking at females as a community, building that community, started talking to them, understanding, okay, what all problems. And then there were some very interesting areas that kept coming up. Health was one, personal finance was one, education, STEM uh, was another. So all of these areas and um, that community started. And like I've had friends from there and it's still alive. And it's still very much engaged where we keep keep talking. I chose health, but of course, for my lack of network experience or insights and that, that didn't really work out. But during the same time, I started consulting projects, uh, Web2 companies, uh, essentially on growth, marketing and strategy. That saw an organic uptake and that grew up really well. In the next couple of months, I had enough uh, clients uh, to actually look at incorporating my own consulting firm, which was called Moonshot Consulting. There we started working heavily on uh, growth in community. Because uh, in my previous experience at FAMPAY, where I had led a uh, community for them, it was essentially one of the first few communities in India that were actually exploring platforms and CLG model, which is community-led growth model, also GTC, which is go-to community rather than a go-to uh, market, these sort of frameworks. And what we learned that because we were building for Gen Zs, uh, we were building community on Discord and all of these new age platforms, which at that point we didn't know would become so mainstream and so household in the Web3 space. But that experience serendipitously helped. And uh, my transition to Web3, okay, I was aware of crypto tokens. I was passively investing, trading a little bit with my dad. 
that was my only exposure at that point but when i started consulting uh that transition uh, was sort of transactional i'm going to be very honest about that that okay i was not bitten by the web3 bug because i didn't understand it enough and i am a utility driven person i'm like okay does this solve this problem i'll take it that did not happen but people started reaching out web3 companies started reaching out to look at community and help them on consulting for that and that was interesting i was like okay in web2 where communities literally just look at a small retention mechanism or hey get us help on answering you know uh, get us a self marketing happening on our forum something like that community was so center placed in web3 like everything was about community you don't have marketing teams that's okay but you need to have a community team from day one a lot of people started talking about it and i realized okay all the skills that i have gathered so far can now be utilized and that's how i got into the space once i did to sort of upskill myself and uh, i mean truly identify with you all <laughs> identify with you priyanka on all the challenges that you're trying to solve because that was a very difficult journey for myself i'm like okay how do i start that was the first question now if i started where do i find what to get started with now there are courses that are looking at cryptography there are also courses that will directly look at it hey, understand yeah. the like the theory of money and then you have all of these chains doing their courses so figuring out what path of education direction of education do i take for myself there was also about the right chronology uh, someone will teach you something but what after that how do i learn after that so once i got into consulting because it was more platform level is when i really started upskilling myself my curiosity came into play and then is when i started developing interest uh initially the fact that was such a slow the web3 in india it still is not a very big community but it was super close at that point which is essentially that i'm talking about 2021 but mm-hmm. things were just starting to blow up uh in this space so all of these events every exposure that i would have with the consulting clients all the exposure that i would have you know meeting with people um uh, sort of added up together and that's where i realized okay this is a space that i want to be in that i want to build in that i want to solve challenges in and given that i come from a background more of a generalist and also knowing the right platforms for community and all can actually uh can actually be the things that i would leverage so yeah that's that's there and after that um happily got an acqui hire offer so the firm was acqui hired we consulted over 42 companies uh, over 18 months um then started super women because that women community was still there and it seemed like okay web 2 we sort of missed the train on looking at the right diversity a very healthy mix of people uh, a very inclusive uh, space but web 3 is just starting so we can actually create the same like have the first have the same starting line for all the genders not even talking about just men and women but everybody else so that was the thought for starting super women uh then again web3 is like you can do anything and everything that you want honestly i think i mean um that's when i also started consulting the government of maharashtra on a web3 sandbox and a larger smart city project and how we can have tenets of web3 get into it currently i'm consulting coindesets leading community for their defi product octo um and it's it's been a whirlwind so far so there's so much happening in this space and i hope we cover some of it in the next few questions but yes oh, that's, that's me and my story <laughs> that's lovely and it is for sure enriching i mean for me it was definitely enriching there's this such a story and there's such a graph to it it's actually an arc you know so and i i could i could envision i could vision uh, visualize the whole thing how you've gone through one hoop to the other and then just grown from 
one skill to another and then brought all of that together especially the community aspect so talking about community right so what what made you so keen about identifying that yes community is a strong piece because you started in web 2 as well and then you brought it to web 3 but how did you identify that community is really a strong piece to the puzzle of brands and consumers so to speak Got it. I don't think uh, a lot of people say this, but all thanks to COVID, <laughs> so just that But all thanks to COVID is where we started looking at community early. So uh, I joined Fampay as an early team member, and uh, this was literally April of 2020, and like a couple of days before the whole uh, or March 2020, where the whole uh, the curfew thing had started. What happened was we had a very physical marketing plan. Maybe like okay, we're gonna go to concerts and campuses because we were we wanted to onboard gen z's everything uh went down the drain we were like okay now we don't have any plan the second problem was that we had a physical product a card as well a fam card now the manufacturing were delayed as well so now we like now what do we do unless our card reaches the users we don't have a lot of value to provide on the product because it's a prepay card and unless they do that kyc is another challenge so what do we provide so then we decided okay let's start creating a hype community and there were some things that we realized that Gen Z's were missing out on in that period. In COVID, they were not going to their schools or colleges. They were missing out on that community aspect, which is so crucial at that point. Yeah. In that age for a Gen Z, there are only two types of friends literally that you have majority. is your locality friend and your school friends. Both of them you're not able to meet. Mm -hmm. Second thing was they become very active on platforms, social media, emails even. Because all of that learning was happening there. Third thing was they was missing out on that little school value, like everyday value, plus the, your craft meals, your annual functions and all. So we were like, okay, what if we can't provide them the card value, the fintech value? Let's at least help them with this and start building our user base. And uh, before that, our thought was that community is never really an acquisition lever. It's a retention lever. We were like, okay, but what do we retain? We need to acquire. So we started looking at a lot of frameworks for CLG which is community-led growth, which essentially is not touted to be a very aggressive mechanism. PLGs, product-led growth is. But we were like, okay, let's experiment. Let's see where we started looking at uh, ambassador models, the influencer models, a lot of gamification, a lot of in-app interactions, raffles, all of that. Mm -hmm. And from there is when I looked at these models and in under a year, we were able to cross a million users um for fanpay so which sort of validated the idea that okay you can acquire users through community in fact the users that you acquire through community initiatives actually end up having a much higher ltv which is lifetime value on the product so they are actually more useful because they're connected now they have friends also on the app which are your users and then they're able to utilize the financial offering that we're giving out so that is where i started realizing and looking at community as a great value offering and then Honestly, Web3 just validated it left, right, and center that yes, it does that for you. So community business. I understand. That is nice. That is nice. Okay. So let's let's start at the ground level, right? Ground floor itself. Aditi, because you have the mic, um, what is Web3? And more importantly, what are the reservations you hear about Web3 and how do you respond to them? Call it. So I think at this point, everybody has their own definition of Web3, right? There's a couple of core principles. There are, of course, the trilemma, the three principles, the most important ones is like security, privacy, scalability, uh, not three, actually more than that, decentralization. Uh, and also 
what i think is everybody has created their own definition uh, definition and it's right to do that because everyone has sort of things of web3 as hey, what problem for b does it solve right um i am someone who's really really secure or really obsessed about my data and my privacy then i would look at that tenant i could also be someone who who just doesn't like the middleman in between right i could be an artist i could be a creator who doesn't appreciate that okay i have to go via all of these things and i don't really have ways to show ownership my of my own art or really monetize in certain ways so i think web3 is a really large umbrella first of all which is based on the tenets of owning your own uh, whatever creation you're making which essentially leads to hey what what do we mean by decentralization and literally giving the power back to people now the power to create the power to monetize the power to say things all of that uh, would define web3 for me in terms of the myths in terms of uh, the reservations that i've had like personally have had about and then of course i've heard it from people and i clarify one thing is does it really have the applicability and utility right and a lot of people draw these parallels that hey, in 1999 was was anybody asking that when the world wide web was really you know uh, being laid being delivered and all of that so it's essentially the same at this point we have not figured out utilities because it's a tech stack blockchain is the tech stack which can empower a lot of things but utility layer applicability layer is offerings like the job that a user wants to get done not a lot of people who are offering who are solving for these jobs have picked up the blockchain tech stack right there was a lot of inherent hype where nfts got picked daos got picked but again why we saw that bear market come in and that applicability or gold like applicability was never really part of the 21 bull run that we saw it was a lot about the hype so the thing was it was never really discovered because these service providers never picked up blockchain and nft was being offered on the value of exclusive benefits and all but truly were the companies who were providing loyalty or membership they needed to pick up nfts because they had the use case for it they didn't a lot of web2 companies only in fact all of web3 had to be picked up by web2 companies in form of blockchain and that would have meant so i think that led to a lot of people thinking that hey it's scam it doesn't have a use case for it but i think we haven't really had that gestation period for the applicability to come in so that's one of my answers that give it some time give people who have these problems figure out that okay this problem can be solved by blockchain a very good example is zk and everything that's being built with zk right now from your digital identities to government storing data to hospital okay. records zk zk is zero knowledge uh, zk proofs so basically in one line what they help you do is they help you verify and validate that okay the data coming from one party to another is correct but they don't actually pass on the data it still remains on the chain it does like the data that i given will not really go to akshat but akshat will be able to verify that hey aditi is put shared in this data and it is the correct data so you see how privacy is also maintained but everywhere where checks are required we can use this so what people needed to think was that okay blockchain as a technology solves a lot of problems the people who have these problems needed to discover that technology that is has that hasn't happened on the larger scale or for a majority of the audience so that becomes the biggest thing i think everything else can come under this scam crypto tokens rug pulls now you can never really take the bad players out of any picture there are always going to be some rotten apples literally the rotten apples of the ecosystem who've rug pulled people who identified okay there's a loophole because the wa government watchdogging mechanism is not there 
let me go and dupe innocent people out of their money but how do you solve for that that's happened everywhere you solve is by learning that okay this is what you don't do and then build capabilities in terms of regulation compliance government internal info information security that will need time and we need to give ecosystem the time and build at it so yeah that's the biggest reservation limitation myth that i've heard and then this is how i generally answer no oh, that's beautiful so people want answers today and the <laughs> yeah. the answer really is we come with time there are use cases like you said right there is use cases for um, companies on the back end in yeah. terms of infrastructure to use the tech stack and also for front end companies who are working like dealing with the consumer the world it will come with time but a lot of small pieces like it's a puzzle essentially right a lot of pieces are getting together but you cannot say that hey today i opened the box and i'll have the puzzle solved today itself uh, the foundation needs to be built a lot of projects will go wrong a lot of things will go wrong for us to learn that okay this doesn't work or this should not be built this way for us to get to the right paths like you need to know what not to do before you can learn what to do so that's the stage okay. right i do uh, feel that you know it's already in clay right now i mean we, we of course it will take some time to adopt but the whole concept of participatory economy uh, is already in play i was lucky enough to actually get my first project with the government of telangana and we uh, we started with researching the use cases that the government of telangana already had implemented this was back in 2016 this was a very interesting use case folks so um they had this um um it's it's a tier two um location called khammam and uh, they did a pilot for 60000 users e voting on blockchain where they can sit at home uh do the voting right from like the comfort of their home and through the encryption and decryption layer they're able to like um you know just ensure that there is no need to go to a voting booth and you can actually like you know decrypt the whole information on the blockchain grid out there and um you know declare the results which will only again be you know accessed by um uh, the permission blockchain owners of the government um so they had this amazing uh, pilot played out and it i technically work for those 60000 users um and i think the it is currently being like you know scaled to the next level um plus because it's a very dynamic government and i know it's uh, the election year but you can actually go out and see this uh, there um that uh, the chitmunks um, also which is like one of the government wings in telangana um we we have the scheme called chit funds for rural self help group um and especially for women um you know who are trying to uh, it's like the cooperative societies or uh, like the legit papers of you know the of telangana government where they can actually um have the you know uh, money pooled in um into one particular fund and uh, there will be like you know direct transparency to the government of how many funds have been gone into it and uh, there's no um Uh, you know because in the web 2 world you can easily like hack the database um you can like you know manipulate the data um there's no way of doing that in web 3 correct so uh, uh this was actually piloted at least in 70 villages uh, across telangana through the rural self help groups so we are seeing this out in play it's just a matter of um, you know education awareness and exposure um because right now you know like aditi also was uh, mentioning it's all about crypto being the number one like use case they feel that you can't go beyond that financial aspect but we've 
uh, seen these, um, you know, research pilots going um, uh, successful in Telangana. Um, so that was actually like, you know, one great uh, start for my trajectory as well. Um, where we um, could pick up like grassroots level innovation projects in teaching the students um, and uh, able to technically because I I was building a skill down myself 100 girls in blockchain came as an annual campaign to promote the skill down it was not like a company in itself um, so skill down was technically a self-executing platform where we are building the jobber um it was a builder jobber and player economy where students come in as players um technically learn through gamification mint your skill tokens and exchange your skill tokens for jobs and um, you know other uh, rewards and incentives that will help you to get that job and then of course uh, the jobber economy is the top web3 protocols coming in and hiring the students so all of this is supposed to be like you know automated we uh, we started like uh, consulting with the government of telangana also and of course uh, you know hyderabad dao which plays a central role in building the community um, um technically also like consults with us and uh, um we we plan to like you know take this big time with the skill tokens uh, we already have a few proposals in place so hoping that you know, these kind of um, real-time applications will actually drive the adoption, at least at, like, you know, how Aditi was talking about getting on board the Gen Zs and the college folks. So yeah, I, think, yeah. I think applications and use cases are definitely coming up. It's it's also about how do you really, con so purists are there, maxis are there, how do you convert yeah. the non-believers? <laughs> what do you sell, tell them? They are not looking at the applications, they're not understanding it. And I think majority of the world is that right now uh, in terms of getting convinced because all said and done, of course, there are loopholes. We also don't want to say that, hey, you know, this is all clean and hunky-dory. It's not. It's still a gray area and you should be doing your own research. But of course, it's coming up. Your your children, if not your grandkids, will like, oh, if your grandkids, if not your children, will not be saying like that. <laughs> yeah. You're right, because ultimately it's about not selling the product, right? We are not selling a blockchain or Web3 just for the yeah. fun of it. It's about the utility that it's bringing. So we are talking about the utility, showcasing, okay. So, you know, yeah. 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 There's an MD enthusiast and one MDF, like JBTD. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like um, Aditi was mentioning earlier, the adoption will be driven through Web2. And we are actually seeing that with the TON org, uh, right? The Telegram messenger group i think already has like um, 80 million on board um and uh, they are leveraging the handles the telegram handles as the web3 identity so the telegram group is converting these into like web3 identities and driving the adoption there so you can actually start earning through your web3 identities so that that kind of um you know like incumbents in the web2 space coming onto web3 is actually gonna uh, be the main driver for adoption not as much as ethereum unfortunately so um that's at, at least what we've um, identified in 2023 based based on all these like fiascos going on since luna crash and ftx um there's been like you know there's there's been this trust issues in the in the whole community itself so it's it's shaken a bit right now so definitely the driving and adoption will come through web2 sure and and talking about this this market it's slightly shaken so many crashes happening yeah. and people call it the winter web3 winter and whatnot 
talking about that and then also linking it back to the community aditi because you spend a lot of time building communities from the ground and so do priyanka actually so why is culture so important in web3 i think honestly to answer this where is culture not important right yeah. i mean i don't see any space any walk of life professional or otherwise where hey there's no set of culture people are just going like i mean it, it's it's like a hey, we're moving in all the directions we're literally um, like you know germs and cells and everything else like very random entropy there so culture is important the other bigger reason is because this is such a new field it's new for you it's new for priyanka it's new for me it's new for everybody else out there literally the first conversation that happened on this entire topic was in the 1980s everything else that we have right now has been there for 400 500 years now because it's so new there will always be a lot of constructive thoughts coming in and a lot of deconstructive thoughts destructive thoughts also coming in and when you have a certain culture it builds belief and it builds trust in it that okay i know i know priyanka who or anybody else for that matter who lost some money in a crash or in a whatever or in a token price going down but then i also know this other person who's made some value out of it if not value in terms of their token prices rising in terms of them being able to use the technology and solve a problem mm-hmm. right i mean why are governments not really banning cryptos because they understand that hey there are enough believers and enough people who have adopted it and they will they will protest if it's being banned where does that want to protest really come from if not from the culture that's been built right so it's extremely important for any such new concept that there's a culture second thing is when periods like these come which essentially will come in any industry whether you or not whatever area whatever field of work fintech had its time edtech in india is having its time right now what really keeps people building in it is the culture is that hey we have seen some things go right in the history and right now is just a bad time and we will have a good time again so every intangible and in, intangibles are really very important when it comes to feel such new that have not really proven their utility or have not really shown that proven uh, utility to keep those things going to keep the belief to keep the trust in the ecosystem to keep the hope that this will work someday going on how do you build all of that if not at the with community as the foundation right it's because when you broadcasting something the trust never really gets built hey if aksha is aksha is constantly just uh, aksha's constantly going out and saying something and broadcasting but i'm not hearing it from anybody else then i don't believe you then i don't believe you but if it's a community if it's a many to many conversational value then okay now i have a reason to believe and it's amplified as well like you said so i think that's where culture is extremely important it plays a role and every such thought starts with a culture around it like there will be some four or five people some real man, massive geeks must have sat down in one i one of the ivy league campuses and they were like oh what's the new thing we do today and yeah boom cryptography i would also like to add um you know uh, it culture strengthens the participatory economy as well so if say like you know all of us here are uh, listening to akshit's podcast we all are equal mm-hmm. stakeholders because i'm giving i'm trading my time and attention to akshit's podcast so i better be earning akshit tokens myself right and in future that is going to happen like youtube coming on to web3 
will ensure that hey look it's not just the subscription economy that a big tech can actually um you know feed off from they would have to give uh, that that kind of um, uh, incentive or reward to the folks who are actually listening consuming content because um i am an equal stakeholder in akshat success right and i am an equal stakeholder in aditi's success so we are all a part of the same participatory economy and that kind of a um, uh, you know bond that strengthens through web3 I, i i don't see it in any other technology um so that's that's one good thing about web3 is where like you know you are able to strengthen the participatory economy Can through you through culture Uh, I love what you're saying. I'd love to uh, dig deeper into that piece in terms of participatory economy because it's always been the case, right? Yeah. If it be an employee to an employee relationship or two partners coming together, two companies. It's always been a game of partnership, right? Everyone's helping each other to grow yeah. together economically. So you're talking about participatory economy specifically in the Web three uh, world yeah. in the future. What does that really mean, and how does it derive more value now than before? Absolutely. So um, we've seen it, Akshat. Like you know, we've seen the test of time. The big techs have actually taken the chunk of revenue from that is coming in. Uh, you know, for the the content we build. I am the one who's going and putting like you know content on Twitter. Um, ultimately, who was earning it? Right. It was technically all the uh, board members and the stakeholders of Twitter. now we are seeing a subscription based model and of course it's going to keep evolving a lot more with rewards and incentives the more i keep inter interacting with my twitter audience i'll be getting badges for um, you know being there to actually drive content and those will be those web3 badges those will be coming in from um, you know the the token say like x token will be launched which i'm pretty sure is going to happen um, with elon you know being uh, the largest stakeholder on twitter so um x how do you pump uh, x token then like only when you reward and incentivize and have that attraction going on for people coming on board to twitter um so that's that's one way of looking at it because you are finally taking away the power from big tech and you're giving it in the hands of the people who are actually the uh, ones driving it so we are i think we're already seeing this with chingari i think that's one community in india right now it's a good use case but i don't know how it's doing currently which is just for research purposes um no plugins but uh, i think chingari token was the one who um actually democratized like a marketplace for creators so any singer who is like coming from tier 2 tier 3 towns can come um you know put their stuff you didn't need like a music studio you didn't need to know um you know like karan johar's entourage and stuff like that you can come on chingari you do your um you know um, music art form you pump your tokens and the amount of engagement that you get will actually um you determine the value of your tokens so um that's how you know participatory economies are built it's like for people by the people and you know giving back to the people so um that's a fair and equitable world that you know i was talking about earlier this is how we build it with web3 so there is there is more and much better access to the market first of all and then then you get returns as well then you get value as well in return and the common man gets the value there it's not like chingari only like you know feeding off of the revenue or the profits so that's the most beautiful part taking away power from big tech so historically how part like the second part of the question akshar that you also put up like how is it more um participation focused than before is because again if you taking the same example of big tech right they were supposed to be a tool 
Instagram was supposed to be a tool that helps me create better content with its filters and all. Then people realized the value that, hey, it's a great distribution mechanism also because there's so many users. Brands came in, pumped in money to run and all. But all of that money never reached the content creators. It was still limited to Instagram. Now with Web3, what it says is that Instagram cannot own this content. Because till to this date it is, now the creators will own this content. So if the brands want access to it, the chain of that money flow will not stop at Instagram. It will have to go to the user for that content to become accessible. And uh, joining the same example of Chingari, this is what Chingari, the Gari token does for you. When you have the Gari token, if you want to say see your video, you actually have to connect your wallet, a Web3 wallet, put in that token, and then you have the access to the uh, video. So essentially what you're doing is that Gari cannot do anything in between. That content opens up when that token passes from the viewer to the creator. So this is where participation is becoming more and more, uh, is increasing, of course, from the people. Now people have more power. People have the power to directly give access rather than waiting on a platform to actually take their content to someone. Now, in the truest form, these platforms will become distribution and not just these money-making machines and the massive corps that they are. Because exactly. they still make a lot of the money. Not, no one's to deny that. It's just that they will make more money in form of content, in form of the token monetization now. And a bigger chunk of that value will go to the creators. Not all of it will directly go to the creators. So that's what we call progressive decentralization. That, hey, Web3 right now, even in terms of actually realizing it, is a utopian concept. But we progressively want to become decentralized and get to Web3 someday. Nobody's saying that, hey, Web3 is here to like this day. Because that would mean that we don't need the government's banks and everything. So yeah, progressively decentralizing. Right. Just to um, you know, end to that, like I mean, the, the data holdership, right? Like some student entrepreneur, this actually just happened recently, took like five years to build his um audience on LinkedIn for like, you know, for five years and he got to like a 7,000 audience, like for a student entrepreneur to do that, you must have imagined what all you would have gone through. And then suddenly out of nowhere, like, you know, his um, account was like, uh, uh, basically deactivated. And we don't even know what the reason is, he's struggling to find out like, you know, who did what. So you're taking away power of the data, like, you know, hold, uh, holdership from that kind of a situation and you're putting it in the hands of people. And I think ultimately that's where, you know, the money is like you earn for your data, you own your data and you see what benefits you can derive. So um, no one can actually manipulate that. Currently it's happening. So I think Web3 is the only way to get out of uh, this kind of like a precarious scenario. So mm -hmm. yeah, fractional holdership of data and, uh, progressive decentralization like Abhiti was saying. That's fair. Oh, that, that's a great conversation. And then tell me a little more about the types of, because we're talking about community and forget community, but also just in terms of stakeholders, right? There are so many different kinds of stakeholders. We're talking about brands, we're talking about young professionals who are using those uh, tokens like Gari or, or whatnot. And then you have government involved, for example, e-voting scenarios and other things. So there are these a variety of stakeholders involved. So tell me more about their psyche when it comes to being open and to trialing and testing this technology and in a variety of formats, right? So I would use it differently than what my dad probably would, than probably a government official would, and so on and so forth, and probably a young kid would. So tell, tell me a little more about the psyche of these different stakeholders. 
definitely i mean uh, i can talk from the uh, education and the project lens that you know we've done so we work with the confluence of industry academia and governance right from the start uh, you know with the um, projects we started with we have which is the state led incubator for women um, and um, uh, technically we were uh, wanting to um, understand how we can better help the um, you know artisans get on board uh, with um, you know tokenizing nfts for or digital collectibles um, for their art forms so that they're not exploited by the middlemen um, so we see that these kind of it still needs to reach to that hinterland india they're still like um, you know, ye, like how will you off ramp, right? Like how will you, there's still platforms that do not allow you to go from crypto to fiat that easily. And that's where like, you know, you will have to like bank on uh, the government um, trusted platform. So um, the government of Telangana is uh, actually partnered with Coinbase. They have like a signed MOU. Um, so we, uh, you know, we were told to like you know, see if we could do projects with Coinbase or with Polygon uh, for that uh, matter. In fact, the first one we did was with uh, you know matic tokens so um it's easier to um for the government to trust when it's the same entity you, they're operating with like you know the sign mou the certain way they want to operate in a permission blockchain um not everything can be open source data because of course like you know it's confidential uh details out there but few things that can actually uh help for the greater good like i know there is uh there's this program called sagu bagu um and they have like open source farmer data so th what that help us do is um technically we could um you know get into uh the farmer details of uh, the harvesting the kind of soil they use are they organic are they using drones and uh, what you can do now with web3 is like you know leverage the chain link oracles build a bridge for the real-time data to the uh you know blockchain on sagubagu and you can technically build better mechanisms for the farmer profitability like you can build mechanisms for fractional holdership of like farmer nfts where, where like you know me as a common citizen um can actually buy a certain farmland uh, like acre and I invest and ensure that hey look you can do this like you know cross farming of two crops and I will give you more educational resources to ensure that you don't have to get into drought or I'll supply like you know drones for you to do um, all your seed and like um, other harvesting mechanisms so that way you're able to participate in the farmers um, you know uh, profits as well. Like you were able to contribute there as well. Because if I, in the conversation that you just said, I could provide you more resources, more guidance, more technology. Right, right. I, as a common man, so as somebody who is not in the, I'm not in the agricultural sector, but Web3 opens that participatory economy again for me as a common man, because we have these kind of open source, um, you know, data available out there, which the government again has, you know, a huge part to play. Um, because technically how, how it works is I think all of these um, uh, farmlands are like, you know, government recorded. Uh, they have uh, the details of where the harvesting, what crops are, which lands are fertile for what um so all of that is on a blockchain data now and it's all open source data so you can actually go to the portal and see how you can actually as a founder as a common man who has a like agricultural background come and participate in that kind of a you know um uh, like fractional holdership of nft like i was saying or different mechanisms where you help this common man to uh, you know generate more uh, cash flow 
Uh, this is this is really fascinating, right? Um, I love what you're saying in the example that you're sharing. I also love the aspect that ultimately it's empowering farmers. Yeah, yeah. More value, right? But it's I also empowering everyone. No, it's empowering farmers because they'll get more solutions. It's empowering yeah. the common man in Priyanka's conversation, which is the builder essentially, who has the capability to build solutions for them. Yeah. Now they can get access to such a massive. Area. There's area such so much an economy going on, right? Imagine being able to get agricultural data in a country like ours, India, which is predominantly an agricultural economy. So, so many value-added businesses you can build. It well, helps the government also. Right. So it's a multi-stakeholder win-win situation, and like a terabyte. Yeah. And organizing that terabytes of data, dude. Like, who has the time to like you know go to every farmland out there and like you know you can run your own LLMs, you can run your own algorithms to have more precision in predicting like you know when the when there is like a weather forecast of rain or uh, hailstorm, right? And you can actually um, ensure that the farm crops are not um, damaged. So there's, there was actually um, uh, we we did this with farm didi like we were trying to you know get, ensure how the supply chain can be optimized for their entire like from produce to uh, the D two C market. So um, we were like checking hey like you have these certain like uh, periods where you have hailstorms or you have um, uh, you know rains coming in which de devastates the seasonal income uh, also right like if already you have seasonal income challenges uske upar, like you get again all of these variables in weather um, it's even more detrimental to the farmer and once you have the harvest you are again like depending on a middleman to sell the harvest again you know if you put the fruits in the bottom for one night the 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 pricing reduces like uh, you know one tenth of it again so it's ultimately the farmer who's getting um you know, affected with all of these changes. So I think this is where, like, you know, kudos to um, Telangana government for putting all this data open source, uh, putting it on a blockchain and uh, ensuring that, like, you know, we can take the endpoint API of any chain link kind of oracle which bridges the real-time data uh, with um, the blockchain and you can build better solutions. You can, like, you know, spin algorithms that will give you precise forecasting and uh, deploy the solutions. But you know, uh, Aditi and Priyanka, there's, there's one thing. Um, when I was in my MBA program, we were working with Morgan Stanley in their impact funding um, projects. And one of the projects was exactly this, right? How do you create a platform where you connect farmers with people who have more resources, more technology, right? Exactly what you said, so that you can pass through that information in a much cleaner and effective manner yeah. and give value to farmers. But you know, the, the biggest... A point of conversation from investors, from stakeholders across the world when we were sitting in Morgan Stanley office was the trust. Because it's not, uh, yes, it's sold. Less middlemen, more value to farmers, clean uh, uh, pass-through of information. All that is great. But what about the trust? Because the current system has trust built in. Farmers do not have time to, they, what they do is they do not have time to go to the markets. They just give it to the middlemen. Why? Because it makes their case easy. They can focus on farming and the rest of the things that they do. While when it comes to fractional ownership, I need to now transact with this single person, this common man in our example, right? Who I don't know. Maybe what he's saying is absolutely right. But the level of communication that I have is not the perfect uh, level of communication that a middleman has because now the trust has been built with that person yeah, right so yeah trust was the biggest point of conversation so 
yeah such i mean you've literally you've literally defined the exact problem that pepsi solves and before i come to that I, i'm not really sure what the audience for this podcast is going to be so i just want to clarify what an oracle means because i think that's been mentioned multiple times so oracles is essentially bridges that help you take real time web2 data which is not their own chain to on chain mechanisms like the farmer data right it could be present in any format something as simple as a csv file also so a lot of these oracle companies they help you take it on chain so then people who are building on chain which are dapps decentralized apps can actually utilize that data so it becomes more usable on chain and the other thing is fractional ownership again which is sort of self explanatory but it's like you have fractional ownership of something so if all goes well in a few years days weeks whatever we'll have fractional ownership for say mona lisa where i'll just own the one eye of mona lisa or something like that so owning a part of something it is also okay. like stocks right you own a piece yeah. of a listed company so that's also yeah. fractional ownership yes. it's yes. a part of anything like a fraction of anything when you own is fractional ownership uh just wanted to clarify these two terms so that we don't look like people who talk in jargons you know but we keeps getting blamed for that but yes coming to your question so the trust bit yes the whole point is when i am operating in a web3 mechanism i don't need to trust the middleman that's what a trustless mechanism is that hey i trust the technology that's taking that information or that data which is a smart contract essentially it's going to be built on a smart contract so i don't need to trust whoever xyz this akshat person or this priyanka person is because i am like the smart contract which cannot really be like it's technology right i cannot really manipulate it corrupt it in a way it will only release say information or a or money or whatever needs to be whatever is the trade of information or barter of uh, resources happening there it will only release where everything in the terms of the technology bit checks in that contract checks that's why it's a smart contract so mm-hmm. in that way we are looking to build a trustless mechanism where we don't care who the other human person on the other end is what do they look like what do they do what their name is it's a trustless mechanism where i trust the technology on my part and that's where we are getting to of course it's not an easy battle there's so much that's going into it like uh, one example is this farmers bit the other example is digi yatra so the government has already built something which lets you create a user id on a platform and then you don't have to wait in departure queues on airport or the security queues and all because that identity is already be created now they are trying to create a digital a web3 digital identity layer on top of it again so much of that information so much of that data and i now can even say that hey i don't want to trust the government on top of it um that's a stupid thing to say publicly on a podcast but that's where we come from right we don't want to trust anybody even the government for that matter and i will say that i am giving all my sensitive details which is my flight information my kyc details my accounts and all but i'm very sure that this technology is self sufficient in a way that it may not reach the government in a usable or in an exploitable manner it will only reach in a form where it's going to benefit me with verification or making things easier so i've i've just uh, you know want to add one thing about the trust it's it's where uh, you know the i think the government will have a major part to play because all of these um folks um that we work with at grassroots le- level they have literacy challenges income challenges they're only um you know having they're anchoring to those like national skill development corporation uh vocational trainers on the farmlands that can be trusted so i think it's uh, the onus is on founders like us who can actually go 
and build for those kind of uh, groups so that the government itself can start pushing these solutions at the grassroots level. So I think at least in a country like India, 1.5 billion mouths to feed, um, we will need the government to be at the forefront of, um, you know, pushing that uh, trust uh, less economy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All, all stakeholders have a crucial role to play. So 100% agree with that. And while let, let me now uh, draw our focus to this term called very controversial term. All right. So are you guys ready? <laughs> no. We, women in Web3, right? So we <laughs> all are talking about it. And I mean, I don't understand why. Why, uh, first of all, there is this segregation of women in Web3. I've never heard men in Web3 separately. So, and but there's Web3 for all, right? So a lot of the Web3 narrative has been narrated in male voice, right? So as women, as women entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs in Web3, tell us some lesser told stories and some of the hard, I, I am sure you must have come across certain hardships that you overcome through the time. And also at the same time, why do you feel empowered as women to lead communities, to lead projects in Web3? Yeah, so I think why we have women in Web3, I'll, I'll try to relate, like draw an analogy in health. So um, we've all heard about like, you know, the impact of certain types of drugs and certain things on men's health, right? Uh, smoking even for that matter, what all it can lead to for a man in terms of their health. Nobody talks about what it can do to a woman. What can smoking do to a woman? What can drugs do to a woman? Because historically, all the human trials, the researches that had to happen, they happened on uh, males. And all of that was published. So women were never really counted in that dialogue, in that conversation. And that awareness never really reached that level. Uh, but the thing is, smoking actually harms a woman 10 times more than it harms a man. Uh, you know, from all the levels, from your PCOS, PCOD, which are like disorders, to your reproductive organs, to even hormones. Because women have the tendency, a hormonal change tendency much higher than men. But like you see, because the research, the very groundwork that happened did not include enough women as human subjects, that conversation never made it. Now the, the dialogue doesn't happen, solutions don't come in. That's why at this very point, it's important to have that women in Web3. Because let's accept that we are a niche. We are a niche for a reason. We are a niche because the numbers are low. We are also a niche because we were not enough of us when this whole conversation, the very first block uh, was uh, was being put together of thought, of ideation, of innovation, all of that. But we're still in the very early process. We can get it right uh, right now. And that's why women in Web3 is important. So that in the future, nobody comes and say, hey, I'm a woman in Web3 and I don't know how to operate a Web3 wallet. Because I was never really taught how to. So that's why we need to pick up that niche, that minority. Uh, men as unfortunate and saddening as it may sign, all are the majority there. So, so no focus, no spotlight. So, and and what what can we do today? And what is happening today? I'm sure a lot of things are happening. You were there in the forefront. You guys are there in the forefront. So, what can we do more? What can we do better in terms of encouraging not just young girls, but also uh, professionals, young professionals, right? Because it's not just about uh, people who are just getting starting to use uh, coming into the education world, but also professions like us, right? So how can we empower women to be more involved, do more and provide I, more resources? 
Yeah, absolutely. Akshat, you know, have to start by saying the way, um, you know, we look at it is girls in STEM become, become women in tech, become like, you know, CXOs in uh, the tech world, technically. So, the, like, we want to see more women leaders taking more decisions. Like Aditi was saying, you know, these human trials have been more on men. You won't believe some of the statistics I've seen. Um, I think 85% of the car crashes you can go look this up are um for women because the cars are being designed for men that's how they've been originally been done horrible wow. statistic um 33000 children every year are still child brides can you believe what is this 2023 so there's still a lot of like you know we don't get to see this on a day to day level because we are in this cushy like first world zones at the moment at least we can say that considering what is going on right now in the world so there's still a lot of bias in fact i myself i remember taking the 100 girls in blockchain pitch because i was telling them look sir this is all like you know um these are all cohort based unstructured way of learning you will not expect a girl coming from india to like stay till 9 10 pm at a cohort and like um you know kind of brainstorm on things on web3 right you have to go back home by 7 pm because that is the kind of like you know um um like mentality or like the kind of conditioning we grew up with mm -hmm. so and especially in web3 there was never a structured learning there was always this cohort base where like you know out of a hundred the men room you'll find like three girls in the corner at least that was the case in um, um hyderabad where i was and this was like city so uh that was a first thing so bringing a structured way of learning um seeing how you can um bring your lens to the girls uh, issues right so we did uh, the menstrual kit um, distribution for girls we it's a conceptual dao where it was technically a period dao called kamakya dao high schoolers again like you know had thought of this uh, kudos to like tisha and tejushri um so um, so they uh, actually came up with this idea of, hey, look, you are anyway doing the, um, uh, you know, menstrual kit distribution. What if uh, these uh, kits are like, you know, they it happens. They, they are stolen by men in e like and being uh, sold on eBay or o o OLX, I believe, is the platform. So do uh, you still have those kind of like corruption issues uh, right there? So um it's it's basically men coming in as allies and showcasing hey look you know we can build solutions for your problems also so right from menstrual kids to the self-help groups like you know the cooperative societies so i think when you start showing that empathetic side and like you can build web3 solutions for women in particular i think you like definitely have a heart so oh that that's beautiful that is a beautiful yes. Example. Web3 as a space solves for majority of the reasons why. Yeah. I mean, of course, if it's like, hey, you were not taught that thing. As a young girl, you were not sent to college. Your education is not at par. Yeah. And that's a very different problem. And that cannot be solved at a Web3 level. It cannot be solved at a Web2 tech level, college level. It needs to be solved at that. Am I sending my daughter to the school? Am I sending my girl child to the school? That level. It's beyond uh web 3 as a spiel because everything is cascading from there it's not like hey, it'll web 2 job world it was a 50 50 nice healthy balance and then in web 3 something went wrong um the other thing is web 3 actually solves for a lot of problems versus it's a heavily it's a very it's an industry which promotes remote work heavily right yeah. a lot of women who have kids a lot of women who can't move cities a lot of women who are not allowed to go out or cannot go out for whatever reasons they can now work from home 
identity issues right a lot of women who didn't want to put out their identity or wanted to work in their own time but in something else like i i personally have a case like this in my family and i don't believe why my family would have it where now uh, it's a little distant relative but a woman who wanted to trade and all uh, but if she put in our role identity everyone would know so now it's pseudo anonymous identities the yeah. concept of the fish can actually trade and do a lot of things uh, that again solves for something now kyc issues and all of that and now you can actually rely on just certain crypto wallets to make your payments like global payments cross border payments i'm not going to go into the reasons of why would they need to do we all heard of refugees and not getting enough access and all of that that again gets solved education most of the education in web3 right now is free it's subsidized by the chains themselves like you go to n and code club you can learn all and everything about a pol- polygon or a solana and then polygon and solana is paying for it so you can actually upskill without having to uh, put in money right the the lack the the way where you don't need certification to really prove that you know this it's a proof of work industry where i don't need to be like you know have a this degree that degree that cred it actually solves for so many problems that women weren't able to work or not able to derive value so that's how web3 is solving and the biggest reason is i think this conversation has started in this space very early on right like very young startups uh, like an eight member startup and the founders already thinking oh i've got six men and only two women imagine that conversation that thought coming at that point so that they don't want to become a tech boy frat or something like that that's what web3 is gotten right and now several reasons for it programs like the one that telangana government has run people like priyanka are running projects Uh, DAOs like Superwomen, who are onboarding more women and doing the events and education for them. I think just the fact that people in this industry realize it early on that hey, we need to get it right right now, or otherwise it'll be too late, is what Web three as an industry is doing right, and I think deserves credit in terms of the whole DEI uh, bit. Yeah, and and that's what I love about Web three, right? It's doing right things at so many levels. It's not just about the technology. It's not about solving problems. it's about everything right from ensuring there is equal participation of brands consumers people men women what not so i'm i'm really bullish about web3 and yeah i think with that uh, we we are short on time um, so i want to give the stage to you both for final takeaways in terms of closing thoughts web3 web3 future of web3 what what do you have in mind what's what's top of your mind Absolutely. So, like you said, it, Akshat. You know, it's the holy trifecta of our tech, tech and finance. Like, where people like us who are conditioned that first you have to become an engineer and then become everything else. Web three opens the doors for everyone. Um, I love how inclusive it is, and um, it's it's only going to get. bigger now with uh, you know ge- generative ai coming into play um, not only can you build uh, you know better smart contracts with all these uh, open llm integrations that are training your code base um, you know better and trying to get more precision of uh, you know uh, your um, accuracy and predictions that can actually go into your smart contract but also how you do uh, your marketing efficiently how you can build educational programs efficiently where you have students actually voicing out their opinions and rather than a set curriculum like driving it i think it's going to break the archaic norms in so many ways uh, plus uh, we definitely see women being you know in the forefront of 
Web3 because I think the recent article that came out, uh, I believe in India today, was every uh, one person in, uh, one woman in uh, five hold a crypto in India. And that's uh, that was a very startling statistic. That was 2023. So it's only going to get uh, better from there. I'll, I'll end on that positive note. Awesome, wonderful. I think Priyanka's covered a lot of my thoughts, you know, how the great minds think like <laughs> sort of a situation. But one thing, it's it's not talking just about women, of course. We are as women. I think two things need to be done. Induct enough women into the Web3 space yeah. since that's the crux of, crux of the con conversation. Also, equal amount of efforts need to happen to make sure that these women are able to climb the ladder because yeah. there's no point just having a lot of women in Web3 where there's no representation on the pedestal because the new ones who are yet to get inducted, if they don't see their type or their like or whatever we want to call it, doing so well and becoming role models, they will not really have that inherent incentive to actually work hard, get into this space, then work hard and then build all of that value. So I think that's very important. Yeah. Brands, people, people like us, evangelizers, thought leaders, all of us enablers, all of us need to make sure that both of these things are happening. Women are constantly coming into this space and then they're growing in this space. Uh, the other thing is it's more from the Web3 side of it that I think it's a space. It's actually it's already become such a big space that ignoring it right now, completely thinking that, hey, whatever happens doesn't concern me, saying that, hey, whatever government's ruling my country doesn't concern me and then trying over trying over taxes one day. So I think even if you don't become an avid user or a trader in it, uh, you should at least be aware of what's happening in it because there's so much, there's so many tenets out there. It's literally being called the internet of future. And imagine the penetration of internet and the role that internet plays in our lives right now. So I think everybody should have a certain level of education, awareness. And then I think beyond that, it should be a choice that, hey, do I want to trade in that space or not? Wherever the tangibles like money and all come in. But in terms of knowing about it, uh, irrespective of the gender, what you do, uh, people should know. And then if you're a woman and if there's anything that you need help with in Web3, please do hit either of us up and uh, I would love to induct you all to some women now. Uh, absolutely. I was just saying that, hey, if you're into doom scrolling, that will pay you in Web3. So get on Web3, okay? So because participatory economy is the way to go. <laughs> How do we reach you? How do we find yes. you? I can be, uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter, always shit posting at at the rate Aditi Chopra X, A-D-I-T-I-C-H-O-P-R-A-X. And that's my ID everywhere else, LinkedIn, Twitter, Telegram. So yeah, happy to answer any questions, uh, your any feedback, your new thoughts, any okay. of it. Absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah, Twitter is uh, the go-to platform. I'm mostly active there. If I'm not replying Elon Musk, I'll be replying you. So uh, hit me up and, uh, you know, we're definitely looking um, for hiring a few folks. We are also looking to provide jobs for a few folks. So students out there, our heart goes out to you in the tech winter. So definitely reach out to your What Where do you